Hey Gateway, great to be with you. We are carrying on in our new series through the book of Acts. And I just think that this is an incredible moment for us to dig into this book. Uh, as, we, as we go through it, we're going to see the birth of the church as they uh, are filled with the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit forming them into a new community and propelling them into the mission of God to the ends of the earth, declaring his kingship and his kingdom come. And I just think it's such a good moment as we begin to regather to get into this book. We can hold it up like a mirror to ourselves and say, how are we doing in our unity together, in our diversity together? How are we doing in, in unity, in mission with the wider church? And how are we doing in mission to the ends of the earth? Do we have a desire and a hunger for the person and the presence of spirit in our own lives, in our community together to propel us on mission for the glory of God? And so I really do trust that this will serve us well as we begin to regather. My fear is that as we get going in this book, and even in this passage I'm in today, the the day of Pentecost, is that it's so familiar to us, this story. We, we know it so well, and we kind of have this quite blasé uh, attitude and approach to what it means for us, that we, we kind of say, yeah, I, I know that. I know that's what God did. I know that's what he's done. I know this is who I am now, but, but I, I wonder if in this moment we are needing to see and hear this with fresh expectancy as God's people. And that's my prayer even today as we just look at Acts, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, that God would come and arrest us, that he would, he would call, cause us to cry out to him for a fresh encounter of his spirit, a fresh filling of his spirit, a fresh empowering of his presence in our lives for his glory. So let's get going. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost first arrived, they were all together in one place, that is the followers of Jesus Christ. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there, was, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from under every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it, therefore, that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from, both, from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and said, they are filled with new wine. This whole book of Acts is about the kingdom of God. 
just as we go through this, just please remember, this book is a book about the kingdom of God. It starts back in chapter one, where we see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, and right through to the very last verse of the last chapter, as Paul has finally arrived in Rome, we see that he is boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so it's this kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, that frames the book of Acts. It is also, therefore, the kingdom of God that is to shape our understanding of how we interpret all that we see through this book, the mission of God's people, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit being poured out and birthing the church, that what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus in life, full of his presence and his power in our own lives, living out his life both as community together in this town and and, and just walking with Jesus in life. We, we're to understand the stories in this context of the kingdom of God and the kingship of Jesus Christ. As we jump to verse 5 to 8, the crowds are puzzled about what they're hearing. They're surprised because they hear the disciples, the followers of Jesus, talking in their own languages but they are, they are bewildered because they're hearing the, the good news about the kingdom of God in their own language. Hopefully you'll remember just back in chapter 1, verse 6, that the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? For your average God-fearing Jewish person, as far as they were concerned, the kingdom of God was essentially a Jewish thing. It was an Israel issue. And, and, and Jesus comes and he, and he says to them, the answer is yes, but it's not going to be in any way you have ever imagined. The kingdom of God will be restored to Israel, but what it will look like is that you, as my church, both Jew and Gentile, will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So yes, the kingdom of God is going to be restored to Israel through witnesses to the resurrected King Jesus, empowered by his presence, of the presence of his spirit, and sent on his mission to glorify God in all the earth. And so how, how are we to be witnesses? What does it mean to be a witness to Jesus? You see, it's not simply witness in the sense that I've had this nice religious experience and I go to church for this nice religious experience and hey, why don't you come and have a nice religious experience and you can go to church for a nice relig religious experience too. I mean, that may or may not be the case, but it's not simply a, just a, a religious encounter with God. I think the church today is full of religious encounter and religious experience. I think the church today is in danger of, of, of not spotting that a lot of what we, what we think of as the presence of the Holy Spirit is in actual fact just a religious experience. Because if we are to think about it in terms of the kingdom of God framing for us, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be sent on mission to the ends of the earth. Not to just gather for an hour and have a nice time, although sure that's a part of it also. But unless our encountering and being a witness of Jesus 
fueled by the Holy Spirit, results in us going and witnessing to Jesus, to his resurrection, his kingdom come, his conquering death and sin in our own lives, unless our being fueled by the Spirit results in that, then it really is simply a religious experience. And I am fearful that so much of what we call church is simply dead religion. Sure, religious experience, but nevertheless, dead religion. You see, the entire task of the church is summed up in verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, the power and presence of the, of the Spirit of God within us propels us into the mission of God to go and tell, to go and declare, to go and proclaim the kingdom of God is here among you. You see, through, through this new people called the church, this, this new gathering of God's people right here that we read in the story, as we are, as God's community together as church, we are literally the dwelling place of God on the face of the earth through his spirit. It used to be that God dwelt, as we saw in the book of Exodus, in a tent in the middle of the desert, and then a bit later in the temple. But, but now God dwells in a people, in and through a people, his church. When we were reading uh, just recently as we finished the book of Exodus about the, the, the holy of holies in the tabernacle, it, it wasn't just that it was like heaven on earth. It literally was heaven on earth. It was the intersecting and overlapping of earth and heaven. It was that little bit of the Venn diagram where the two circles overlap. Phoebe, Phoebe and I were just talking about Venn diagrams recently. I have no idea why they need to do them at primary school, but she was talking about the, the Venn diagram and the overlapping. And, and that's exactly what, what happened in the, in the Holy of Holies. It was, it was heaven on earth. And it used to exist in a tent in the middle of a desert. And it used to exist in a temple. Uh, and back in the day of King David and King Solomon, the nations, kings and queens and rulers would go to the temple, to, to the presence of God, to, to, to give honor and glory to the God of Israel. But now, through the church, the dwelling place of God is in his people. We, we literally carry the presence of God with us as God's people, as the temple of God, this living temple. It's not like we carry the presence of God. We literally carry the presence of God with us in our lives as followers of Jesus. And I think what's happened in the Western world is that the, just in general, the, the, the Western worldview is that this idea of heaven and earth being together is just this very strange idea that can't possibly, you can never get heaven and earth and, or earth and heaven together. They can't go. They shouldn't go. They, they, they don't go together is the worldview of the West. But the entire biblical worldview from Genesis through to Revelation is built on the assumption that heaven and earth are the overlocking, overlapping and interlocking spheres of God's presence in his good creation. And Acts 2, as we come to this, it signifies on this day of Pentecost, as the Spirit of God is poured out, it signifies God's new dwelling with his people on the face of the earth. God's new inhabiting the presence of his people, a people temple 
on the face of the earth. Uh, But now, instead of it being tarpaulin or bricks and mortar, this time he's building his temple made up of both Jew and Gentile. People who've encountered the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and been brought into his family by his blood. See, now God's presence dwells, it lives, it resides in a unified, multi-ethnic group of people from many tribes, tongues, and languages gathered together, and it's called the church. The church is the dwelling place of God. And that's why I, I really feel that we're to, we're to have a, a higher view of what it means to be the people of God in these days. Wow, the dwelling place of God is here as we gather, not, not here in this room, but the people of God as we gather together, as we, as we scatter out into wherever we live, whatever we do during the week, we take the presence of God with us. And I wonder if we've forgotten that. I wonder if we've got so used to being church and doing church and organizing church that we've just emptied ourselves of the power of God. You see, this is what the Apostle Paul calls a mystery that, that Gentiles have now been brought into God's purposes along with Jews, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. He says it's a mystery. The church is a mystery. And rather than the, te- the nations of the world coming and paying homage to King Solomon and, and honoring God as they used to do, we as the church, we carry the presence of God. We take the glory of God to the nations of the world. We carry the presence and the glory of God into our streets and communities and over the fence in our garden at the school gate. As you go into your classroom this week, you carry the presence of God to bring the kingdom of God into your sphere of influence for his glory. There's such an incredible privilege to take the presence of God into a dying and hurting world saying there is peace, there is hope. You don't have to go to a a temple in the desert any longer. God is here. He is with you and for you. I hope you heard that, that we are empowered by the Spirit to carry the presence of God into the world. As I said, I just think we're so familiar with that, that it's almost dangerous for us in that we we're just overly familiar. Yeah, I know, I know I carry the presence of God, but it doesn't really impact how I live and think. No, it should. The presence of God is dangerous. You take the presence of God to go and disrupt the, the plans of the enemy in your sphere of influence, to take the goodness and the kindness and love of God into your friends and family and to the nations of the earth. So the point of Pentecost is simply this. Jesus has risen And we now have a job to do. And the point of mission and the goal of mission is, as Habakkuk said, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And so, Gateway, hear my heart. We can never just settle for trendy meetings here as we gather together. That is not what we're shooting for. We're not shooting to try and make the best meetings and and just have the best experience and the best religious moment. We are here to make Jesus famous in the nations. We're here to make Jesus famous in our streets. We're here to make Jesus famous in our families. 
God's got you here for his glory to make him famous in the nations of the world, in your sphere of influence as the waters cover the sea. But it is the nations that are in the scope of God's plan. And, and um, in, the, in the latter part of the verses I read, verses 9 to 11, that list of all those nations that we read, it should remind us back in Genesis 10, when, when through pride, man built the Tower of Babel and God judged them and confused their languages. But here now, because of his grace, God undoes Babel. He undoes the confusion and the disunity, and it results in great blessing of people coming together in him and hearing the glory of his kingdom declared in their own languages so that they can glorify God. And this moment of Pentecost, it launched the church, not just as a few gathered together in Jerusalem. Sure, there was about to be 3,000 added in just a few days or just in that moment a bit later, but but it propels the church to into the nations from day one. That as God brings together the, the nations of the world, even there in Jerusalem, the church is birthed and propelled into the nations of the earth. The nations are in the scope of God's plan. The nations are in scope of Pentecost, and therefore the nations must sit in our view, in our scope of our mission. John proclaims in Revelation 5, verse 9, Jesus purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And to do this, Jesus told his disciples before his death that he would, he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the alongside one to help you. And he said, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And therefore, on the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit of God is poured out and we see the, the, the sound like wind, mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire and people speaking in own languages, we see the power of God, what it means to be filled with the power of God. And that is that we are a people empowered for the mission of God, we are filled, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit as Jesus promised. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see groups of people receiving this kingdom of God, this gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, responding to him, receiving it by faith, and then being empowered and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. In Acts 8, the Spirit was poured out on the Samaritans through the apostles, so that both they and the apostles were realized that they were now members of the same body of Christ. The same thing happened with the Gentiles in Acts 10. And then in Acts 19, again with followers of John's baptism, they too received baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was essential for the mission of the church because just as the ministry of Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit descending on him at his baptism, so too the ministry of the disciples and of you and I depends on receiving the Holy Spirit and relying on his power. The goal and the meaning of Pentecost is that God equips his church with the power 
of his spirit in order that he would be glorified among the nations. So for us, as a church community and a family, this has huge implications for us that in all of our diversity and differences of nationality and age and stage and background and upbringing, we are one in Christ and we are to treasure that. We are to pursue, therefore, love and unity. We are to cross the room to one another. We are to cross divides because Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility among us. It means that we must remember that we are on mission to the ends of the earth. We are not here for ourselves to feel good through simple religious experience, but we are to live lives of sacrificial worship as witnesses to the risen King Jesus and his kingdom come. And we are to be filled over and over again by the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in order that we can run with this purpose of seeing God's kingdom break out around us as we carry his presence into our streets, our neighborhoods, our lives, and our workplaces. Gateway, I want to ask that as we begin to regather, we, our passion as a team, uh, as a leadership team, is that God would break out in new ways among us, that he would revive us afresh, that we would have such a desire and expectation for the presence and person of the Holy Spirit coming, abiding with us, awakening us, lifting our heads, making us have in scope the nations, the ends of the earth, the people groups right across Swindon, the unreached people groups in Swindon, that we would have a heart and a desire to go, not simply to gather, but to scatter, to go and take the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of death defeated, sin defeated, that, that Jesus has overcome the grave and we would carry that good news wherever we go and say, you can know the love of God in your life and his peace and hope and kindness in your life. You can know and receive life eternal through God's son, Christ Jesus, because of his death upon a cross. This is the message we have. But we have got to, we've got to fall in love with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit over again in this moment that we would be propelled and empowered to, 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 to live out this mission of God with such a fresh passion and effectiveness like we see over the coming weeks in this incredible story of the birth of Jesus' church, his dwelling place on earth. I, I love the fact that we can know for sure that God is with us. I love the fact that our lives are to be marked out by the presence of God, but let's never become overly familiar with that to the point that we have this kind of careless, carefree attitude. We're to desire the person of the Holy Spirit. And so just for a moment, I just want to finish by praying for us that, that the Holy Spirit will come right where you are now and fill you afresh, encounter you afresh, that, that your eyes will be turned from the despair of the moment and the hopelessness of the moment onto the hope and peace of the throne of grace that is that of Jesus Christ that your, your, your vision for life would be so filled with him and his kingdom that you would know that you are one who is sent to go and live by his kingdom uh, come in your own life, wherever you are this coming week. So Father, we thank you that you are for us. We thank you that you have adopted us into your household through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, and that you have made us co-heirs with him 
that, that our, our purpose now is to glorify you with our lives in all we are and all we do. And I pray, therefore, give us a big vision of what it means to be the people of God, full of the presence of God today, 21st century, United Kingdom, Swindon, that we are the, the, the carriers of the presence of Jesus, literally in our lives. Remind us of what that means for us and awaken within us a fresh desire for, for the gift of your Holy Spirit to come and fill us as your people. That you, Holy Spirit, we love your presence, but we, we, wanna be, we want it to be so much more than just for the sake of nice meetings. We want to be a people who are propelled and empowered into the mission of God. So come right now and fill each one of us afresh. I just bless you where you are in the name of Jesus. I pray you would receive his spirit afresh right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and fuel us. Come and awaken a fresh love and passion for the glory of God in our lives. I pray that. Thank you. You love to dwell among your people. And we welcome you this morning in our own lives. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for more of you in these days. And that as we gather in the coming weeks and months, as, as a Gateway family, we pray for incredible encounters with you that wouldn't be limited to this room, but that would flow out into our lives. That we would gather back together and tell one another stories of the goodness of God, the power of God in our own lives. That we would be amazed at what you do in the days ahead. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray for more, more of you, more of your glory, and more of the kingdom of God to break out in our lives and as a community together. For your glory, we pray this, Lord Jesus, and for our joy as your people. Amen. Bless you guys. Great to be with you. See you soon.